from the Embassy Road Studios in the crap part of Soho. It's the Men in Blazers podcast, Rog. Love is dead. Yeah. We're all doomed. <laughs> I must I must say I'm feeling a little bit hungover this morning. You are? Yeah. I'm it's not. more than just the alcohol. I'm not. I feel like, honestly, I feel yeah. like I've been given a gang beating by the Peaky Blinders. Really? Yeah, I'm bruised and uh-huh. battered. Yeah. I'm torn apart. You look quite good, actually. Your head's a little skinny. feel terrible, mate. You've lost too much weight in your head. I feel absolutely terrible. Uh-huh. The US, last night, uh-huh. went the way of 1-1. <laughs> and we all feel sadder than a 1877 Cars for Kids commercial, David. No, I'm going to find a way to be positive about it, Rog. Well, we're going to break it down. Mm-hmm. We're going to relive it. I feel like in going through the flotsam and jetsam mm. of the wreckage, mm. we can somehow, we can somehow find that black box and understand what went on and what, if anything, we can do about it. A night which GFOP Jim Casey Facebooked us and said it was the night in which the eagle crash landed. Mm. I keep trying to tell myself, Dave, it could be worse, that we could be a Mexican fan. Yeah. But we're not Mexican fans, Dave. Yeah. We care about the growth of the game we love Mm. and the country we love. So right now, I think we're both feeling pain. Mm. Known only to, well, pretty well every character in a Smith song. Mm. And that includes Elliot Smith's song. <laughs> or maybe just Cam Newton. Yeah, other than the four goals and the complete Argentinian domination, Roger, it was quite even. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to find a way to be positive, uh, Roger. Can, can I say one thing, David? Yeah. I like most about the United States of America. Which is? They don't take losing well. No. They expect to win Everything. Yeah. Always. And I just say, when English people lose, yeah. we find it like a, a lukewarm Reassuring. Bar. It's yes. reassuring. Yeah, self-fulfilling in a way. exactly who we thought we it were. It suits us. And when we win things, it's there is this glorious surprise. Like yes. when we won all those medals in the Olympics, yep. in the sitting down sports. Yes. Or when we won the Battle of Britain. It was a glorious surprise for all of us. An awkward surprise. Yeah. It's like how I feel about Everton, the new Everton. I yep. don't know what I'm going to do with my life. Don't take away my losing. Yeah. But when American people lose, yeah. they don't really know what to do. This is a nation mm. that is just collectively poised to constantly smash beer cans, crack them on their heads. Yeah. You know, acts of... Exaltation yeah. to the gods, David. USA, USA, USA. You don't pull out your hair in this country like no. we do. We don't have any. I mean, in America, to some degree, you just kind of move on to the next winning thing. That is the yeah. joy. So maybe this pod should actually just be the pre-game show for the US Women's National Team Olympic <laughs> path to Zika fuel glory. Yeah, very true. But we've got to go over the game, David. I mean, I, I couldn't sleep last night just thinking over and over and over about the game. Mm. More what it meant and the reaction before it and the reaction after it, what it meant for the United States fan base, for the program, Mm. where's it going momentum-wise, the direction overall. I will say this. You like to be positive. You've trained me to try and be positive. So I'll say this to our listeners, American listeners. You've lost battles before. 1775's Battle of Bunker Hill. Yeah. Comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Davo's still getting over that one. Yeah, we, we, we scored too early in that yeah. one, Rosh. <laughs> yeah, and you still won the war. Yeah. And I do believe you will win this war too on the soccer field. Just needs a careful strategy, a real investment, and a little more time than we'd all like to believe it's going to take. The US are no worse at soccer this morning than they were yesterday morning. They are just as good. And there is just as bright a future, Rog. It is no different 
because of what happened at the NRG in Houston <sighs> yesterday. We will not go quietly into the night. Yep. We will not vanish mm. without a fight. We're going to live on. Yeah. We're going to survive. Or shall yeah. I read it? We're going to survive. <laughs> Question mark. Yeah. Hold me, David. Yeah, without a oh, doubt. At least get me a Guinness. Yeah, get me a Guinness and uh, get me a mozzarella stick wrapped in prosciutto rod from Volpe Foods. Our new friends. Oh, my word. Volpe Foods, I think, might be changing my life. They are. Yeah. I, you know what? I am now, I can speak to that one honestly yeah. and scientifically, seeing uh -huh. as I'm 70% now, my body mass is made out of... Uh, prosciutto. Yeah. Wrapped in around mozzarella. Yeah. And they make them in a very discreet shape, yeah. like a football flat <laughs> yeah. that the Albanian French fans have been yeah. inserting up their really? uh, their bum cheeks. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to. Put, I, I, there's only there's only one hole I want my Volpi Foods going into, <laughs> Rog, and that's my mouth. I love Volpi Foods. Excellent, excellent stuff. Okay, we've got a pack show. We're going to sip the emotional cocktail. Two parts pain, one part pride, with a dash of Wando served by the U.S.'s elimination from Copa America, courtesy of. Lionel Messi, he's as good as advertised, Rog, and yes, Argentina. Yes, he is. Amazing. He actually now is we good. Say, now, I can imagine Messi reading yeah. the American newspaper yeah. report. Yeah. I'm as good as advertised. <laughs> yes, finally. It's amazing. Finally, I've made fun. it. Uh, plus, we look ahead to Euro 2016's <laughs> round of 16, including Woys, still in progress, England, and an unflinching Wales side. To the football, Rog. Let's crack open the Guinness. You've got the, uh, oh, what are you drinking there, Rog? Oh, the Guinness Nitro IPA. Excellent choice. I'm cracking open the, uh, the Blonde, Rog, an American lager. This is the one I like to drink. It's officially 10.30 in the morning. You're drinking the taste of summer. Yeah, I love the taste I'm of summer. I'm drinking the hair of the dog, mate. Yeah. Oh, to the football. Mm. To the future. Yeah. I'll just say this. The loss was brutal. Mm. If you come at the king, you best not miss. They didn't miss. And well, well, we didn't exactly come at the king. <laughs> no, you're right. like, we thought right. about it for yeah. like a minute. Yeah. We maybe hoped about it. We yeah. dreamed about it. Yeah. But we were punished. We saw the ruthlessly king. We just saw the, the king in the distance. And he was as good as advertised. Wow, that was the king. He moved quick. Yeah, <sighs> very, very true. I do hurt this morning. We were given a national stomping with, I'd say the world are watching, but they're really not watching the Copa. I mean, they, they're, they're really watching the Euro, I guess, yeah. the global football world. But for me, the pain. It's less the result, Davo. It's more the frustration at the realisation that we're perpetually being told we're a work in progress without any sign of a true master plan. And I really felt like going into the game, I was a mix of emotion. I wrote about how I felt in a piece that we posted on meninblazers.com. I said so many conflicting emotions, nervous excitement, fear of humiliation with the entire nation looking on, and a long-held desire that's all the more powerful for being primal, emotional and inarticulate, that the US might just do it and shock the world. And that mix of emotion, I've got to say, it was just wildly overstimulated by the Fox pregame show, David. Poor. I don't know that that was a pregame show, Rog. I thought it was like a, it was a rally. It reminded me a little of Nuremberg. <laughs> uh, it was a lot of patriotism, a lot of the American flag. Yeah. Very little doubt. Even though there were, there were questions about the lineup afterwards, I don't remember many questions before the game about the lineup. There just seemed to be certainty that the US were going to go and win. And when, uh, when Fernando Fiore suggested that his own Argentina <laughs> might win, so he, was, he was ridiculed for choosing Argentina in this game. It's amazing. I mean, this is a gentleman born in Buenos Aires. How do yeah. you say it? Buenos Aires. Yeah, there too, both yeah. places. Uh -huh. I mean, they kept into the big argument pre-game was not about 
whether this United States, or should I say a unbelievably depleted United States team, Sean of its three most important players at the tournament, arguably. The big debate was, were the USA an underdog going up against Argentina, the number one team in the world, mm. or not? Should we expect the US to win this game against Argentina? I mean, to be clear, as per Vegas, Argentina were 6-1 to one on to win this game before kickoff. Yeah. The US essentially had Pete McNeely odds against Mike Tyson, but we were just frothing at the mouth before kickoff because the big argument was the US are not underdogs in this game. We expect them to win. And I love Alexi. I adore him. I love him as a musician. Yeah. And I love him for his passion. And I revere so much of what he's done for the game. He's the leading broadcasting face for soccer in the United States right now. But when he said pre-game that the US were not an underdog, I felt like I was listening to an astrophysicist who was looking at constellations on the global football world through the wrong end of a telescope, David. But that's great for Alexi to do that. I actually think that Alexi should be doing that. It gives a fizz to the pre-game. Because when there is one person amongst nine who's saying that, but he has to be counterbalanced by prevailing opinion by the majority view, which had to have been that the US were underdogs going into Yeah, they had game. three of the four pundits picked America to win this game with confidence. Yeah. And Fernando Fiore, had the, Argentina-born <laughs> Fiore, yeah. picked Argentina. Alexi yeah. was so pumped How up, dare he? he decided to challenge him on that pick and ask him, do you really mean that? Yeah. And there was just a momentary subversion of sanity. I've only seen it once before. One of the first trips I ever came to New York City, one of my early adventures on the subway, I was on rush hour platform, I think near Times Square, and a poor passenger jumped in, in front of a, uh, a subway train to end it all, which meant that the train had to stop while they kind of evacuated the body off the tracks. Platforms filling up, more and more people getting more and more unhappy that they can't get to work, and there's just people shouting, swearing, getting really, really annoyed that they have been stopped from getting to work by a bloke deciding to end his life and jumping in front of a train. Yeah. And it was just your prerequisite homeless man in a loincloth, quite dirty, long hair, looking, looked a little like Jesus. Yeah. And he wandered up and down the platform that was crackling with anger. Mm. And he just started to shout out, what is wrong with you? A human being has just lost his life and all you're doing is thinking about yourselves. And he had subversion where a man who everybody treated as if he was bonkers was actually talking sanely and with truth. And that's what I remembered when I watched Fernando Fiore, who's made a name for himself for his antics and his theatrics over the past two weeks. Suddenly, he was the only sane man in the room. Now, to be clear, because there, there may be some people listening who might say, hey, wait a minute, men in blazers, you occasionally quite boldly predict World Cup final victories, Carl Beckham and wonder strikes. It is known. Why is that any different than what Fox are doing on the pregame show? I mean, I would start with, like, we are the men in blazers and um, we're a couple of bald blokes who really nobody should be taking seriously. And also, <laughs> we say a lot of this stuff with a little bit of a sense of humour. We believe in the future. We want to be positive, right, Rog? Yeah. I'm positive because I'm positive. I try and make you positive and you become positive because you're trying to hide away from your own darkness and negativity and general gloominess. But when we say that the best player in the world is yeah. about to face up to the best player in the world, name Kyle. Yeah. <laughs> and we say, come at me, bro. Inherent in saying that is yeah. kind of just the, the wonderful a, the, hilarity in which we are There is a operating. joke located there somewhere 
and at the same time, we take the United States men's national team very seriously. Love them. And Love we them. believe deeply in that future. But to say that America were favourites in this game, the only time I've ever seen it before was England in the 1980s and 90s, before the internet, where there were very few foreign players in English football. The only time we saw foreign players was at World Cups and Euros. We didn't know any of them, so we just believed we were definitely going to win. We had no idea who was good, who wasn't. So, of course, our heroic players were going to win it all. And at World Cup 1990, Cameroon excelled from the off against Argentina they won in that first game. They charged through. First African team that had really made noise. And they faced our beautiful England who barely hung on and only just clung on to win the game, which I think was in the quarterfinals. And afterwards, the late, great Bobby Robson told the English media, he goes, we didn't underestimate Cameroon. We just didn't think they'd be that good. <laughs> it's very, very and that good. is the risk we run in the US soccer world when we mix up our dreams and our wishes and our realities Myopia, I do, I think a dangerous myopia on, in shoes. You've already said on this pod that there is this, this aspect of the US which is amazing, which is they always expect to win. They don't like losing, they always expect to win. And it's something else that you've referred to before, that every game that the US play, every tournament that the US play in, for people who cover this team in, in the US media, for people who are passionate about the future of US soccer, it is to some extent a referendum on the future of soccer in the United game. States. And so I think there is also some sense, a lot of people are writing this morning, that this was a lost opportunity, that they viewed this as a lost opportunity for the US to beat Argentina and to therefore prove to the American sporting masses that we have arrived on the world stage. But it's not the reality of where the programme is at this point. So it's not a lost opportunity if the opportunity never actually existed, Rog. Yeah, because there's two teams that are taking the field together. The yeah. US cannot control its own destiny without its own. bearing in mind... <laughs> By exactly, doing tricks. Yeah, exactly. It's not a dance-off. <laughs> yeah. it's just, football is not a dance-off. It's David. not. It's very true. Were it, yeah. were it a dance-off... You know no what? one would beat Beckerman. I can't tell you. Yeah. If it were a dance-off, I yeah. imagine Kyle would warm it up. Yeah. Clint would just... I mean, as a former breakdancer of some yeah. note myself in the yeah. Liverpool College breakdancing uh -huh. community, I do think Clint would just unleash moves which have a difficulty degree which yeah. is off the scale. But then... There I would mean, be a surprise on that team, though. Someone like Zuzi. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He would surprise Because you. we're playing Argentina. Yeah. Home of Salsa. Yeah. Home of the Lambada, the Forbidden Dance. I yeah. imagine... The Tango. I imagine Lavezzi would see off yeah. Kyle... Yeah. Be, they, they'd see each other off. The stakes would keep being raised. And then when we needed it, a clutch of... Who, knew, who knew Graham could dance like that? <laughs> Imagine Michael Bradley <laughs> would just walk out into the middle of the dance floor and just set himself on fire. <laughs> Game That'd over. Genius. Dance off. But it's we not also, a... By the way, nothing's impossible in the Copa America Centenario Plus Uno. <laughs> we, we, we could see a dance off. Uh, a, a change in format. <laughs> a change we, in we, rules. We could see it. <laughs> By the we way, it wasn't it. a dance-off. There are yeah. two teams taking the field. We will talk about Argentina in a second. But this was a depleted USA. And my sense of doom was already at darkness on the edge of town levels before the game. I have to say it worsened when I saw the starting eleven. Explain why you think those three players unavailable to the US were so key. Well, Jermaine Jones, yeah. who is going to punch opponents in the face yeah. when it gets intimidatory. You yeah. think that's a knife? This is yeah. a knife. Number two, Ale Bedoya, yeah. a player who does dark arts, the gritty work in the game 
against Ecuador when Beisler was playing, it was Bedoya coming back to constantly cover that kind of sealed a vulnerability in the United States play. A lot of what he does doesn't get recognised. And St. Bobby Wood is a bona fide centre-forward who makes runs that stretches the defence even when he doesn't get the ball, giving Clint, for instance, more space to operate and sharpens yeah. his threat. So without those three players, there are three question marks. And Jürgen, who has ridden his experienced vets to glory in this tournament, he made a bet. Jermaine Jones, Ale Bedoya, Graham Zuzi off the bench. He was going with the tried and the tested. There yeah. was to be no Nagby. There was to be no Pulisic until it was too late. He wanted experienced sellswords to win these battles, and he only trusted them. And so you've got this depleted squad, hindered by suspensions, no Bobby, no Jones, no Bedoya, and he went back to the veteran barrel. And he said, KB5, the man who I want to be clear, I wish I was, you're in. Yeah. Graham Zuzi, who we think is a lovely, lovely man. Yeah. But that is not the man bun of a world-class footballer. No, 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 no. That is not a Gareth Bale. That is a, it's not a war man bun. It's a Starbucks barista man bun, isn't it, David? Yeah, it's very true. See, I'm not sure how much difference those absences make. I think that it always hurts when you've got absences, when you can't pick your best team. And you're right about Jermaine Jones. He's got some steel. I think that, um, you know, it's uh, true that Bobby Wood is, is, a pro, is, is the most natural centre forward uh, in this team. But where the US were beaten, where it was so clear watching the game last night, is it was speed of foot. It was speed of foot and the ability to possess the ball and hold on to the ball. And the U.S., from front, from the middle to the front, from the middle to the back, did not have a player in any part of the line who really could possess the ball with the speed of foot speed to of receive foot. it and then release speed it. Speed of hand, speed of mind, which leads us to the third choice. Yeah. Wando, given the opportunity for a night of redemption, yeah. and all he did was sludge into a night of reinforcement of what was. I mean, I've got to say, you put in a 33-year-old MLS lifer and he played like what he was, a club legend who really doesn't belong at the national level. And Jürgen, before the game, he said, you have to take risks. To me, with this selection, Davo, this was risk aversion. Risk would have been to blood Pulisic when the game still mattered. Nagby in that starting lineup, not Zuzi, not Wando. I honestly would have preferred Loretta Lynch to Wando for this game, for this one game. And this was the day... To me, Jürgen's faith in his veterans went a bridge too far. But we kick off. We looked at each other. We said one thing. It is crucial. The US hold. First 20 minutes. Argentina at arm's yeah. length in the early going. Yeah. And thank God they were able to, David. Yeah. For 176 seconds. <laughs> they were good through the first 175. <laughs> uh, then Messi makes that amazing ball P through. Pitching I mean, wedge. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, they're just an amazing ball. And it's very difficult. I mean, you notice this watching the Euros that the, the vertical ball, Rog, the straight ball, the non-diagonal ball, it's so rare that you see a vertical ball on what was essentially a straight run being held onto and, and being anything. It's just so difficult to do. He timed it perfectly, had just the right amount of spin and arc on it. And uh, Lavezzi re receives it and 1-0, Rog. Yeah, I mean, so many nerves, so much self-doubt, probably mm. a modicum of self-loathing, whatever it was. There were just too many neck tattoos for the US defence to pick up mm. at a short corner. The pitching wedge from Messi to Lavezzi. He bore down on prey for Guzan, one-on-one, -on -one, and you could just lit-read a cruelly isolated Bradley Guzan I screaming. I am isolated! Even at Aston Villa, I didn't have to put up with this crap! Where's Micah? Where's Julian? <laughs> oh, it was like a thump 
in her chest, just a numbing. It was like yeah. a just a numbing blow to the body. I didn't feel pain. Yeah. It was just like when you would take an elephant tranquilizer yeah. and you just start going And the, the commentary was leading the video. Like the audio was leading the video a little bit, as it has done in so much football this summer, Rog. And you could just tell the, 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 the animation in the voices before we'd even seen the ball go in the net. We kind of knew it was happening already. And thus the game fell into a pattern. <laughs> when Argentina attacked, which they did at will, they just yeah. understood space, time, angles that are yet to be invented boom in the United States of America. Yeah, yeah. boom patterns, wheels within wheels. Yeah. There's one play where Lionel Messi went on a break, surrounded by four scurrying US players, still got off a lashing shot, yeah. which Brad Guzan, God love him, saved. Mm. Oh, there, was was a bit, there was a little bit of poo in yep. the area. Yeah, well, we'll say America is number one in many things, and it's number one in making saves under pressure whilst giving the impression you're actually soiling uh, your clown pajamas whilst <laughs> yeah. in the act of elite athletics. US just couldn't keep hold of the ball, David. This yeah. is what has frustrated so many American fans. And it's true. Argentina's press was fantastic. But what was more <sighs> galling is it wasn't just the press, Rog. They were being pressed hard. They would they give away the ball. Strangled. But then they were, when they had even a little bit of space, no one could move. They felt, Panic. They felt just their... Their feet and their legs were not as good as the Argentinian feet and legs. In a game of football, that makes, that makes it very difficult. Dance off. <laughs> yeah. Dan Birkin tweeted, oh, both teams equally good at passing the ball to Argentine players. Yeah, the US might have been a little bit better, actually, in that statistic, <laughs> in that department. Well, talking about statistics, the one I think that ghouls so many US fans is this one. Zero shots on goal, a haunting stat. But to me, I've got to say, two teams in this one. And you have to say, it was a testament, a reflection to just how good Argentina were in this game. The way they pressed with venom, the way they dominated possession, it was a wonder. And it was humiliating. for the. It was panic-inducing for the US team. It was a masterclass that rendered our American heroes totally impotent. And we were just stunned and helpless, watching in horror. I learned there's no night to the veil to ride to the rescue in real life. Just Wando, just Wando, who hacked Messi down, mouthed to the referee as he got a yellow card. That was not my fault. I'm not really a professional footballer. <laughs> Messi, he's as good as advertised. <laughs> he is, he is as, as good, good as advertised. advertised. I wasn't led to believe he was this good. And Fox, in a truly amazing moment, decided to unleash a box that came down from the, the uh, school line. A graphic box. Yeah, yeah which proclaimed... Ashlyn Harris, yeah, yellow card. Problems with the Viz. Yeah, the uh, the backup goalkeeper for the U.S. Yeah. women's national team. Both a Freudian slip. God, yeah. we at Fox wish the U.S. women were playing right now. And also just venting. Damn you, Ashlyn Harris. This is all your fault. Huh. And then came the free kick, Davo. Messi's free kick. The game sports centre moment. It was an amazing kick. I showed it to a friend of mine this morning who hadn't seen it. And... He just watched it again and again and again. Brad Guzan, was it? <laughs> no, it wasn't Brad Guzan. <laughs> he didn't it see it Brad at all. Guzan. He didn't even saw it. He didn't even witness it. Couldn't remember it. It's like he's blocked it out. He just watched it again and again and again, speechless, looking at me, looking back at my phone, looking at me, looking back at the phone. It was... It, I loved his pre-free kick routine, tying the uh, shoelace on his right boot and then unleashing with his left. 
curling away left foot into the right-hand top corner of the goal. I've got to tell you, Inspector Gadget wouldn't have saved that free kick, Rog, with all of his gadgets. It was an unbelievable thing. I've got to tell you, I looked, I've looked at Brad Guzan's dive several times. I can't believe how much distance he covered. He defied gravity getting that close to it. What a free kick. A strike which enabled Messi to break Gabriel Batistuta's all-time Argentine goal record. Amazing. What an exquisite piece of poetry to do that with. At Paulie1138, I'm still trying to come to terms with that Messi free kick. Is live photoshopping a real thing? I mean, it was fascinating. The American press's immediate reaction was, God, Brad Guzan, just you effed up. Or like Jurgen Klinsmann, tactically, why didn't you play Brad Guzan and Tim Howard? In goal in at goal the same time. At the same oh. time for that one. The European press woke up to this goal, most of them, this morning to see it because the game played in the middle of the night for them. Their reaction has been open-mouthed wonder at Lionel Messi. A number of them have said it's one of the best free kicks of all time. Definitely top 10. And I think we have to understand no humour. You couldn't have thrown the ball into the top corner with more accuracy yeah. than Lionel Messi did. Sometimes you just have to take your hat off and say, my Lord, we are in the presence of wonder. Yeah. And that is the kind of level of star, level of player you need to be a massively elite world nation. And then... You stepped down from Messi. You looked at the other performances across the entire pitch. Look at the possession of those uh, of that back four, Rog. Look how well they played. Just look at everybody across the park, front to back, right to left. Just phenomenal players. And Messi in just a different stratosphere, Rog. Yeah, I mean, Jürgen took matters into his own hands at halftime, decided to let Wando die with dignity. Popped on Pulisic. Too late, too late for naught, for naught, because it could make little difference within three minutes Iguain finished sharply and the US just looked. I mean, they look worse than a pair of box fresh Steph Curry sneakers, David. Yeah. Q hand ringing about how much better South American football is than North American football. Same as it ever was. Well, yeah. when have we ever said, oh, Canada looking great this mm. season, looking a lot better than Uruguay or Whoa, Antigua and Barbuda. They're going to give Chile a run for their money. These are national footballing identities on two completely different trajectories with different rich histories, different backgrounds. What really matters is the momentum of youth development in this country, its ability to play catch-up. I mean, America, we are smart enough to build Silicon Valley to develop startups. We're cagey enough to have a culture of unparalleled Wall Street investors for good and for bad. We have massive sporting infrastructures like the NBA, which capture our nation's eyeballs. Like yeah, we, we find week. our brightest and best to run for public... Okay, uh. <laughs> okay, not that, but we got all the other things, you're right. We will do it, we will do it. I mean, the sad part of this game, Davo, was that the only American who performed with credit, mm. Landon Donovan. Yeah, he was, he was amazing. Someone uh, wrote on the Twitter that most broadcasters, they have a cough button. So when they, you hit a little button on your thing when you have a cough, and they said that Landon actually had a snigger button. And every time he was <laughs> sniggering, he hit his little button to, to conceal the snigger. What a human restraint, Landon. Yeah. What strength to rein in what I imagine must have been feelings of delight Whoa, surging through his veins. Watching Jürgen being given a bare bottom spanky with the American viewing public looking on in horror, there was a moment in the second half where I think from the tone of their voice, not only Landon thought he should be playing for this US team still, <laughs> but JP Della Camera started yeah. to believe he'd actually be an upgrade yeah. on that left flank. Yeah. And to be candid, 
hat trick Rick and Spray Dan probably would have yeah. helped Jurgen yeah. if you'd really look outside the box. Yeah. But I've got to say this. Yeah. We laugh, we laugh. But to say the loss at the end was shameful for the United States. And we love you, Alexi. It's not okay. It's not okay. It denigrates, for me, a footballing masterclass and filled by a team with one of the greatest players to ever play the game. Team who last night had one of the best games I've seen them conjure in the Lionel Messi era. I mean, they just think about, they're capable of playing football on a radically higher plane, not just in the United States, but in an extra dimension than almost every team on the planet. I think we have it to happens. say, though, Alexi played against Argentina and beat Argentina. He was part of a... He actually scored a goal against Argentina, Rod. But this was a very, very different era in Argentinian football. And there was not a player like Messi. There was not that skill, you know, across the whole board. I'd Look, I'll tell you, maybe shameful's not the right word, but I think you should feel losses hard. And I think the positive that I would end up taking out of this is that I think that everyone in U.S. soccer, following U.S. soccer, must see right now, wow, this is how good we've got to be to go and become an elite program. And actually becoming an elite program has got to be the goal in a country like the U.S. It's not about being a second-tier nation. It's about, you know, Jürgen has said he wants to make the semifinals of the World Cup, wants to go and contend for World Cups. You know, it's going to be that good. And I think you're right there are not a group of players who were not selected by Jurgen Klinsmann. I don't believe that any different formation he would have tried would have reversed that and would have made a difference in last night's score. We have to figure out in this magnificent, huge nation of sporting dominance, we have to figure out how to go and find those elite, elite players who can possess the ball with speed of foot, well, Rog. On the issue like of the shame, David, I want to say 2012 Euro... I was in Kiev for the final. Yeah. And I watched Italy. You loved it there. A massive... <laughs> you loved it in Kiev. I loved it. A euphemism for barely survived. Yeah. And I'm still scared of Cossacks <laughs> around every corner to this day. But Italy, a massive underdog Italy. Yeah. Balotelli and Perlo powered Italy, who had just shocked so many in a darling Euro 2012 run to the final. They met Spain at that final. Spain, imperious, back-to-back title-winning form Spain. The Italians were destroyed. 4-0 in the final. It was never even a game. Yeah. I mean, Spain just destroyed them in that game. And at the time, no one said it was shameful. They said it was a Spanish masterclass. They marveled at the controlled passing and pressing, the total domination by a team of wonder. I mean, I looked up this morning the words the BBC used after that game to describe it because they could stand to me for how the US should feel this morning. They said it was a heartbreaking night for Italy and their coach, I love this man, Cesare Prandelli. Heartbreaking, but there was no shame in being beaten by a team of such quality. They can reflect with satisfaction on their work in this tournament before this chastening evening, Davo. But if you love so much and you believe so much that in the pre-game you are questioning even an Argentinian-born analyst's sanity for suggesting that Argentina might win it, if you love that hard, you also lose that hard and you feel heartbroken at the end of it. Yeah, but and I we'll, think he's just heartbroken. Heart, but there's a difference between heartbroken, annoyed in loss, and casting a pallor of shame yeah. uh, upon the way the 11 played. To me, willful delusion is not going to make us a great soccer nation. I do believe we're going to be a great soccer nation. Right now, at Whit Wilman summed up where we are thusly. He said the US men 
remain the 7-Eleven rotisserie hot dog of world football. We, the question is how we get beyond that. We talk a lot about team spirit, team unity, being a great equaliser in, in world football, Rog, in international football. But at the elite, elite, elite level, you also need massive technical ability. And I think the US were just exposed technically. And that is where we go back once again to youth development. Four big takeaways. Number one, reiterating. Messi, Messi's good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Messi, quite good. Yeah. As advertised. Useful. Argentina were mesmerizing. He is the best player in the world. He's the best player of his generation. He's one of the best there will ever be. It's an honor to watch him play. Yeah. It's one that we take for granted right now. Yeah. We shouldn't. It's an honor to watch him do what he does around other human beings. And in the US, Rog, just a couple of days after that amazing Game 7 in the NBA Finals where we saw LeBron, a great athlete, take over at the end. For me, just the fact that it happened in the US again just two days later, another global superstar. God, I love sport, Rog. I love sport. But the Argentine substitute bench, Cunaguero, Lamella. Yeah, him too. Pastore. Uh-huh. Could have beaten most of the world's teams with ease, David. You're That's right. who we were coming up against. It wasn't a one-man performance at all Messi destroyed the US from inside it was Lavezzi slicing them open on the flank that really was critical in this game and South American football analyst Tim Vickery a wonderful man mm. he called this game one of Argentina's best collective performances yeah. in years mm. something that when I read that this one is a gentleman that has watched them for decades when he says that you understand exactly what this US team was up against we essentially walked into a footballing buzzsaw that would have defenestrated much better teams than ours. Germany, Spain, yep, even Iceland. And mm. to me, that just takes away all of the shame. The US froze a little. There's no doubt that the US froze in the face of that and didn't have many even good moments in the match. But plenty, plenty of elite world teams would have frozen in front of that performance. Which raises the second question. Which players will we now say goodbye? Or Auf Wiedersehen? Yeah. To, from a US national football team perspective mm. i imagine there's a list looking ahead to this 2018 world cup i imagine wando's name is on that list graham zuzi's name should be on that list clint dempsey through this tournament has made it clear he is going to be part of the 2018 squad he must stay he brings something to this u.s team that we wish we had more of yeah an independent maverick gunslinging goal scorer whether it's still in 2018 as a starter or off the bench the question that I'm kind of fascinated by the response we've gotten to this is is the issue of Michael Bradley yeah Bradley had a poor tournament you know and he's definitely been along with you know coming up behind Donovan behind Dempsey has been and behind Tim Howard has been that other elite player who we saw as one of our elite midfielders capable of playing in a holding role capable of being a playmaker um he had a very poor tournament, Rog. A very, very poor tournament. And this was his poorest game in a very, a very poor tournament. Game of darkness, Stephen. I once wrote a book about summer camp. A great story in it that someone told me. They went to a summer camp where the townies menaced the campers the entire summer. Once it got dark, they'd climb over the wall and just try and beat up any kid they could find walking around camp. And there was one camper, just one ripple muscle camper. His name was something like Buzzy Goldblatt. He was strong. He was martial arts trained. And the kid said to me, he said, this guy could beat townies, a pack of townies up on his own. And he said, after dark, when the darkness started to settle, he said, you always knew where Buzzy Goldblatt was on camp. And literally dozens of kids would follow this guy around his every move just for protection. Michael Bradley, he's been our Buzzy Goldblatt, David, for mm. a long time, our protector, our avenger, 
our only hope. But last night, we saw 2014 World Cup Michael Bradley again, a man who, when he tries too hard to take a team on his back, he just thinks too much. He tries too hard. It's totally mental. He becomes lesser, much lesser as a result. And we've got to solve this problem before World Cup 2018. It cannot keep repeating itself. There's a pattern now that either needs to be solved or radically dealt with because this is a gentleman who can't perform when he feels like he's the only man on earth who can save the planet. He's Michael Bradley. That's plenty good enough. He's not Buzzy Goldblatt. And that woefully misplaced pass with which he found Messi to set up Argentina's fourth goal was one of the most haunting symbols of this game. Yeah, Jeff Cameron did him no favours on that pass either, though. I mean, look, I, mean, I think there are combinations throughout. I look at the spine before I look at the wings. I look at the spine of the side. Um, I think Brad Guzan actually came out of this tournament with some credit. I think he had a very good tournament. I think John Brooks definitely outclassed uh, last night, Rog, but has had a good tournament. He looks that he's got the speed to go and play in the future. I'm not convinced that Cameron will be the partnership. I'm not sure that Jeff Cameron is going to be the player that the U.S. need to take him to the next level. We're going to see how Matt Miazga develops. He's certainly got the speed. We're not sure whether he's got the aggression yet. Who can play either alongside Michael Bradley to liberate him or replace Michael Bradley. That is a huge hole, it seems to me, in the, um, in the sort of the U.S. development. Part me boils with anger, David, that we will never see the much-discussed, often-thought-about clash between Lionel Messi and Dax McCarthy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That would have been a exactly. ginger moment played for Played it ages. on FIFA. Played it on EA, right? Let me ask you this question, David. Uh-huh. Is Jürgen safe, after all? Because last night... I can't I dream- keep up. I, dream- I can't keep up. <laughs> Every few hours, it changes, Rog. I, dream- I have no idea. I dreamt very fitfully. And one of the dreams I had was of Jürgen going for his vaunted meeting with Sunil Galati post-Copa. The one Sunil announced would be happening right after the 2-0 loss against Colombia. And in my dream, Jürgen walks into Sunil's office to find US soccer's president sitting on an iron throne. I mean, he's literally sitting on the iron throne. This little man on a huge iron throne. And Sunil just announces in kind of like true Ned Stark style that Jürgen is going to be immediately beheaded. Mm. I don't know what that dream means, Davo, but I can see a realm of possibility in which Sunil tries to make changes to the US program, placing controls on Jürgen, which Jürgen just cannot take. And this thing falls apart. Look, my, any criticism I have of Jürgen has very little to do with his selection for the US men's national team. You can question it. We never see this guy... We never see the team in training. We don't see the interpersonal dynamics. I think it's very weird. It's not like he made some horrific choices that would have made ultimately a difference. And I think from where they started in this tournament to where they got to, this was a fantastic, fantastic performance by the US to make it to the semifinals of Copa America Centenario. I think my biggest criticism would be around the development program and around the under-23s and the non-qualification for the Olympics. I think that's something which is going to hurt a lot more, Rog. Which leads to point three for me, David. Our best young players, they have to, have to, have to play in the best leagues in the world. No other nation, I thought about this last night about four o'clock in the morning, no other nation in the world is trying to make their national team great whilst holding on to their best players in their domestic league. The Belgian Jupiler League is not paying over market value to Kevin De Bruyne to have him stay at Anderlecht. Mm -hmm. Eden Hazard, he's not been given treble wages to ply his trade at Genk. <laughs> I mean, one of the things I marveled at most in Iceland when I was there, I know I go on about Iceland, but it's changed the way I think about everything. Oh, you everything. love Iceland. 
I met half a dozen 15-year-olds. They were the best young players in Iceland, and they were all about to move. They're about to leave home, leave their families, and go and join the Ajax and Feyenoord academies. They all had like that beautiful, youthful glow that elite athletes have at that time. Incredible muscles, all so ready. And I said, are you afraid to leave everything that's familiar and go to a foreign country? And they all looked at me like I was a madman. They just could not wait to get there. One of them said, it's the only way I'm going to get better. It's the only way I'm going to be the best footballer that I can be. And I just say, our best young players, they have to go abroad to fulfill their potential. I've got no doubt. You look at the joy of the tournament, the back line, the US back four, a Sunderland player, a Stoke City player, a Hertha Berlin player, a Borussia Mönchengladbach player. That is not a coincidence. They not only need to be in the best leagues in the world, they need to be with some of the elite teams. Rog, playing alongside Sunderland. elite opponents. Stoke. Yeah, <laughs> playing alongside elite opponents. Rog. F- final question, David. Yeah. What's it going to take from a youth development perspective for the US to one day, please God, at the 2026 World Cup semi-final on American turf, USA World Cup 26, mm. will line up against Argentina again and truly expect to win? truly expect to win what will it take from a youth pipeline development strategy well it's going to take some stuff going wrong in argentina as well rog with their youth development we're building an army base there (laughs) um jürgen's infrastructure plant the u.s is going to have to become a much worse country to live in in order to tempt uh, young players and, and uh, professionals to go and ply their trade in other countries. I tell you, that we could be, have some promising developments in that area. Um, and uh, I don't know. I mean, look, you, you've been much more invested in youth development than I am. I cannot believe that those players aren't out there in the U.S. with the number of people playing and with just how good Americans are at sport. I can't believe we can't find those players and find those coaches as well, Rog. Yeah, I mean, Icelandic football revolution, it came out of a massive investment in two things, elite infrastructure, elite coaching. I mean, Iceland's the size of Kentucky, so it's apples and oranges. It's comparing a giant apple, America, to a tiny orange, Iceland. What is comparable, though, is that they developed a strategy. They got an incredibly bright group together to think of that strategy, the master plan, and then they stuck to it for 20 years, invested in it heavily, and it has paid off. We've got a massive country. It's almost too big, but we need a coherent strategy, and we need real money, not just a little bit of money. We need real money pumped into that strategy. I do not understand why big brands target Samsung, Adidas, Coke, Pucker Pies. <laughs> One of you drop a huge amount of money on the greatest sporting project of our time, helping the United States to become a serious world footballing power and forever have your brand attached to that. I mean, connected to that, I say we probably need new blood in US soccer's board. We need more fresh, creative thinking. Elon Musk, Don DeLeo, Aretha Franklin, get on there. Rog Bennett. No, he's an idiot, a bald (laughs) idiot who destroys all that he loves. But you hit one, the scouting. Got to truly penetrate urban and Latino communities, make that soccer pool less suburban. I did a study that I'm still working on with a Princeton economist where we analysed the US teams of the past 30 years and matched them against NFL all-star teams and NBA all-star teams across that same period of time. And just the economic backgrounds, the schooling um, and the location, the suburban-urban location for US soccer 
I mean, it needs to become, all I'll say is incredibly urban, incredibly quickly. And there's just too many... Not a bunch of middle-class kids, is Just what you're too many talented Latino kids playing off the radar and moving to Liga MX youth academies rather than in the pay-to-play US system. And mm. I, I, talking about pay-to-play, MLS youth academies, fantastic, but they need profit as their motive. And they don't have that right now. You look at Ajax, Dortmund, Southampton, the great pipelines. They develop great players because they make a huge amount of money for their club. And the central ownership of players in MLS undermines that profit instinct. And we need that. But I want to spend time, Dave, real time in the next year digging into this question. For me, it's the only one that matters. And I've got no doubt that it's possible. This is America. I couldn't be more optimistic. It just needs collective smarts, bold thinking, real resources, and probably harder than any of the above, a modicum of patience. Yeah, we need to develop a Men in Blazers Youth Development Initiative patch. We can just start a movement, Rog. I love it. It starts with a patch. With me, it always, you need the patch first before you can get into anything seriously. <laughs> there needs to be a patch for the blazer. Rog, suddenly that 7-0 drubbing of Mexico, uh, Rog, by Chile, it doesn't feel quite as funny. It doesn't, even though at Sports with John tweeted right after the game. John Green, God love you. Devastating for Mexico. Nearly every Chilean player with a neck tattoo has scored tonight. So Chile will play Colombia tonight in the second Copa America semi-final. Rod, the game kicks off from Soldier Field at 8pm Eastern Time on Fox Sports 1. Speaking of the Copa America Centenario, Roger, our friends at SeatGeek are giving one lucky GFOP a chance to go to a game live and in person. For those unfamiliar, SeatGeek, it's a start-up ticket company, Roger. If SeatGeek was in the Euros, they would be Iceland. For a chance to win, all you have to do is download the SeatGeek app or sign up at SeatGeek.com. Go to the settings tab and click add a promo code. Enter promo code GFOP. SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Now let's do Dave O'Reed's legal language. Yes. And just to satisfy the men in Blazers Small Council, we have to tell you, no purchase necessary void where prohibited. Open to all legal residents over the age of 18. Visit SeatGeek.com for official rules. Even if you do not win the promo code GFOP, we'll still get you a $20 rebate on your first SeatGeek purchase. Okay, Euro 2016, Roger. Real football. That has adopted last season's Premier Leagues. Up is down, left is right. Anything is possible. Ethos. Oh, it's a great tournament, Roger. I'm enjoying it. Everyone's mortal, David. Yeah. Germany labouring to score. Mm. Spain so perky, then flaccid against Croatia. Yeah. Oh, Croatia, we played a player named Rog. That's how bad they were. <laughs> and then after scoring first, Spain, beautiful David Silva ball. Croatia just yeah. dogged, talented, never let go. Came back to win, knock off Spain, who were unbeaten in 14 Euro games. Uh. A possession team no longer, merely human and all the more fallible for it. I've got to credit Croatia, David. The whole game watching them, I kept thinking, there's so many grown men watching this game in that stadium with live flares secreted between their buttocks. Which is just a marvel when you think about it. My bottom is clenched so tight when I watch the US play, David. Mm. I don't know how they get them up there. But the Euros have just become a crazy lopsided bracket as a result. It's like two tournaments. France, England, Germany, Spain and Italy are now in the same half of the draw. More suffocating than the Battle of the Bastards battlefield. And on the other side, Wales, beautiful Wales. Congratulations, Wales. Switzerland, Poland, Croatia and probably Belgium, whose decision to play like crap against Italy now looks inspired, <laughs> Dave. Their reward for coming second is a 
easy pathway through the yeah. tournament. Italy won that group and have almost been punished for doing so. One side of the bracket is full on March Madness. The other is totally NIT. Yeah, Spain are going to play Italy, Rog, in the last 16. In a, in a, a Euros expanded to 24 teams. In the last 16, Spain versus Italy. Amazing. Rog, England, we should discuss quickly, they finished second in Group B after drawing to Slovakia. Rog, nil-nil Monday in the final group game in San Etienne. Ooh, not a good place for England. A game that saw Roy Hodgson make six changes to the side that beat Wales. England advanced to the knockout round to face the team that finishes second in Group F. That could be Hungary, Portugal, Iceland or Austria, Rog. Any four of the teams in Group F next Monday in Nice. Those Group F games just minutes from kicking off at time oh, of recording. England fans set the bar low pre-game. They just kept chanting, don't take me home. Please don't take me home. I just don't want to go to work. I want to stay here drinking all the beer. I know. God love them. Uh, they didn't get eliminated, but their team are not playing confident football, really lacking a sharp edge. Jamie Vardy showed Arsenal fans exactly how well he plays when he doesn't have space <clears> to <throat> run into, David. A lack of clinicality, no width, no Marcus Rashford. My five-year-old watched this game with me, and he begged He's six now. Begged. It's his birthday this week. Got, got him an England kit. I don't know what came over me. He begged Roy Hodgson to put Marcus Rashford on. And he's yeah. right. He's just got the lack of fear and innate trickery that could have changed this game. England just could not get past that bold Slovakian rear guard. And it got so bad that England fans started to chant Rooney, 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 as if it was 2004 all over again. Three weeks ago, no one wanted him in the team. Now he's the only one who can save us. Yeah, now he is our... Iniesta, he's our Zavi, Rog. Look, I mean, I have a slightly different point of view, but it's no less depressing. I think England have made an enormous amount of progress um, from the team that they were, just in their ball-playing skill. They're able to possess, they're able to pass, they've got some very, very skillful players. They've got players who can beat people one-on-one, they've got combinations that open up all over the pitch, they've got speed, they've got class. The problem is, Rog, they're still English. They're still English at the end of the day. And even with superior ability, all of these young players, all of this excitement... Their ability to actually put the ball in the back of the net is no different than it's ever been. The fact is, even in tournaments where England have done well, World Cup 1990, Euro 96, England have struggled mightily in the group stage and have rarely exploded on any team. Well, funny you talk about exploding because the thing that's made me most fearful for England's immediate future, Gary Cahill, our new captain, talked post-game in exactly the kind of way you don't want an England player to talk mid-tournament with false confidence. He said, the way we're playing now, we don't fear anyone. I definitely feel like we're going to give someone a real beating soon. So many people that should get a real beating, Raheem Sterling, Joe Hart, Hendo, so many contenders, David. Quarterfinal against France in Paris now looms if England can get there. Talking about getting there. Wales, Davo, fantastic, man. Well done, Wales. Chris Coleman's side finished a top Group B after a definitive... 3-0 3-0 dismantling of Russia. God, they were so poor, Russia. Population 3.1 million Wales. Yeah. Russia, population 144 mm. million. Now that's just the sheep. God, I just adore Gareth Bale. And he said after the game, qualification to the knockout stage sits along anything he's achieved with Real Madrid. Mm. I mean, that is how you achieve it, international football. I'm more and more convinced it's all about spirit and collective will. Just compare and contrast the way Gareth Bale comports himself with the way that Ronaldo, the preening show pony, no longer the elite player that he is in our imagination, 30-year-old on the wane, 
which is logical, apart from in his own head, Dave, he's never been a team player. He knows no other role than being the star, the penalty taker, the penalty misser. Uh, it's fascinating watching him uh, unravel on the greatest stage. As we record Iceland, just minutes from kicking off their final oh. group stage game against Austria, Rog, at time of recording, they sit second in Group F. Roger Benetton, how are you feeling? Oh, I'd actually be Roger Iverson, would really? be my... Uh, you'd uh, be, yeah, you would be. What's your dad I'd, I'd be Treverson. Yeah, you'd be Michael <laughs> Treverson. I love how they do that. Yeah. It is gorgeous and completely all in on Iceland. I the had my skier for breakfast this morning. Yeah, My daughter would be Ingrid Michaels here would be good that's a good name that it's a beautiful so name. it's a real name David yeah. it's a name of confidence Iceland 88th minute winning against Hungary and then Birke Marseveson pops the ball into his own net some draws feel like a win others feel like a loss tweeted the great Ida Johnson after the game and made a film for Vice Sports which is up on their website right now looking into the Icelandic football revolution a joyous warm wonderful, smart as hell footballing story, that blueprint that they dreamt about, that they believed in, that they invested in. But part of their success, Dave, has been something you can't teach, which is the Icelandic mentality, born of lives bathed in hardship until the 1980s. We were joking on the Vice show together about the Icelandic lullabies they'd sing to their children before they go to sleep. We should not be loud. Many are sneaking around here all night. I have heard breathing at the window. Sleep long, sleep tight. The hardship will teach you soon while the day turns to night that people feel love, loss, sadness and longing. When you sung those songs in the crib, David, nothing makes you feel afraid when you take the football field. I think that's what we need to whisper into the ears of Pulisic, Miazga, Darlington, Nagby. That will turn us into a phenomenal footballing world power. Yeah, we also need fairies, Rog. OK, your weekend looks like this, <laughs> courtesy of Mini USA. Saturday, Euro 2016, round of 16 games. They start at 9am, uh, then there's one at noon, one at 3pm Eastern time on ESPN. I'm not going to get a lot done this weekend. Plus, USA versus the loser of Colombia versus Chile at 8pm. The big one. Yeah, the, the third, third place, place playoff, Rog, on Ooh. the Fox family of networks. Sunday, Euro 2016, round of 16 games at those exact same times, 9 noon, 3 p.m. Eastern. And that night at 8 Eastern, Rog, the Copa America final, Argentina versus the winner of Colombia versus Chile on Fox Sports 1. There are many ways to connect to us. One is through our Amazon Emporium. It helps keep the show going. Anytime you go on Amazon for items, bigger, smaller, just look up the Emporium, you get the same thing. What are you putting in the Emporium this week, Rog? A book. Oh. Angels with Dirty Faces, The Footballing History of Argentina yeah. by Jonathan Wilson. Uh-huh. Tip of the cap to last night. Read this work that I've just finished by one of the most prolific and footballingly articulate writers in England, Jonathan Wilson. This is his attempt to create a definitive history of Argentine football, complex tradition that's always navigated a difficult path between footballing beauty and footballing pragmatism and occasional violence. To read this book is to be able to reflect upon exactly what the US was really lining up against last night. Mm. A history, a culture, a DNA that propels a team and that we aspire to in the United States one day, one day, and shalla. Uh, Rog, uh, recently I was, I've been in Montana, I've been in rural France, I haven't been getting hair plugs. Anybody who's seeing me on Vice knows I haven't been doing that, even though that was a suggestion by some people. But I've got a new hobby, Rog. Go on. Fishing. Oh, I went fly fishing, Rog. It's 
first time I've been fly fishing since I was at university. I really, really like the fishing. Oh. I enjoyed it a lot. Seven percent of the guys who listen to this pod are like, yes. Yeah, and the other ninety-three percent are like, hmm? why did we lose <laughs> last night? I know. <laughs> uh, so I uh, went fly fishing. I'm kind of addicted now. Went on the Upper Madison River in Montana, just outside of Ennis. It was phenomenal. We 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 glided down. Um, uh, the river for about nine miles on a uh, on a flat boat it was absolutely wonderful, amazing stuff. Caught a couple of fish, Rog, uh, and I've been looking for the best book ever about fishing. My friend Rowan Somerville, who's a huge fisherman, recommended to me The Complete Angler by Isaac Walton. Complete spelled C O M P L E A T. Interesting. It's a quite old book. It's a it's an ancient book about fishing. Did this guy ride with Chaucer? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it's pretty much a Chaucerian book about fishing. Step but one still, and cork the me. It's still it's still brilliant. Ride by court by coach and four. Step down three. to your nearest river. Yeah, avoid the, arch- the highwayman. <laughs> <laughs> Woo the archbishop's wife in yeah. a rude and saucy way. Yeah. So I've just received my copy of The Complete Angler. I'm looking forward to uh, reading it, and I can't wait to get back to Montana, Rog. What a state. You know, I knew you'd been getting into fishing. You know how I knew? How? You've been looking at Danny Drinkwater in our fishbowl <laughs> in a <laughs> slightly <laughs> lascivious very, very and different fashion. way. Yeah. I know, casting towards Poor him. Danny Drinkwater. Mm. I won't let you Would he like him. the dry fly? Would he like the wet fly? <laughs> what exactly would he like? <laughs> mm. Precious. <laughs> very, very good. Okay, you can watch every episode of Men in Blazers Euro 2000 Why would Copa you? on vicesports.com. Well, because we're drunk. It's quite fun That's to see us having drunk that much. Can I just, just click you, on the tab. God love Talisker. God love Lagavulin. It says Men in Blazers, all past episodes and digital videos are up there as well. Tonight we're on at five, then we're off tomorrow and Friday, then we're back next week. Visit meninblazers.com to sign up for our newsletter, which we produce with our partner Guinness. This Friday, we've got a special three questions interview with the New York Times' Sam Borden. Oh, I love that, man. He's on the ground in France, producing brilliant piece after brilliant piece about Le Tournoi. Follow us on Twitter, at meninblazers, at Embassy Davies, at Rog Bennett, on Instagram, at meninblazers, at Embassy underscore Davies, on Facebook, meninblazers. You can always send your ravens to the crap part of Soho. You can always email us at meninblazers at gmail.com. Vendorpunk Rog. War pig. Who wants to sex Matumbo? Explosion. Courage. Take that, Gloria. Is that your analysis? To say, sucker. Abrogado, rock on, mate. Kung fu fight in America. Afram is land. Love you, Rog. God.